The Power Zone Sports Podcast is presented by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, our realtor, Stahl Alvarado, and our newest sponsor, Jeffrey Shainer and JaVale Vacation Rentals. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is good. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swag lane drive left field. Wonder on his end. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Well, we have finally reached the month of March. A mere eight to nine days away from Selection Sunday in the NCAA world. March Madness is almost here. Spring training is underway. NFL free agency is just a few days away. And maybe in a few days we'll have a decision on on Aaron Rodgers, who finally has come out of the darkness and back into the light. And those of you that are in New York, Las Vegas, and Green Bay are waiting with bated breath to see what one Aaron Rodgers finally will tell us all what he wants to do. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. Appreciate you finding us on the Powers on Sports podcast. Got a good episode for you. I'm going to give you some uh, news and notes from around the sports world here first. Everything from spring training and the new rules, the baseball clock, the pitch clock. Had some interesting uh, news about that early on. LeBron James heard in the NBA. The NFL Combine is underway. We had some uh, legal drama uh, on the uh, in the NFL Combine that popped up here on Wednesday. Uh, salary cap issues. There's going to be lots of uh, players cut and contracts restructured here in the next several days. And obviously, we'll we'll talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation for a, a minute or two about the scenarios there. So, uh, speaking of uh, off the field and court issues, any of you guys been watching this Alex Murdahl trial? You know, the father in South Carolina who allegedly killed his uh, wife and son. That's uh, the testimony is finally ended. The jury is uh, going to get the case, I believe, on Thursday. So we'll be seeing how. That goes so again. If you've not been watching that pretty interesting case there of uh, you know Alex Murdahl, rich rich guy in South Carolina, killed his allegedly killed his wife and son on his big uh, majestic property and all that stuff. So been pretty interesting trial. I've actually watched a little bit of that over the last couple of weeks, and it's been some interesting uh, stuff going on there. So be interesting uh, if you're in the trial world of of court cases and murder cases and all that stuff. There'll be some uh, probably some news, I would imagine, by the end of the weekend, probably first of next week, I would think, whether he's guilty or not guilty or potentially a hung jury. <coughs> if you listen to some of the experts, a lot of the experts think that it will be a hung jury, but we shall see. All right, <coughs> just a reminder, this weekend, if you're, you know, college basketball, <coughs> excuse me, if you're a college basketball fan, 
a lot of the small tournaments are going on. The Nod Power 5 tournaments are all happening uh, this weekend uh, and early next week. All those are wrapping up, which will lay the foundation and the and will lay the uh, stage set for all the big Power 5 conference tournaments that will end at the end of next week. You know, the Big, big East, Big 12, ACC, Big 10, SEC, all those big ones will end next weekend. But a lot of the little ones are this weekend. So all your automatic qualifiers from your smaller leagues, are, most of those will be decided this weekend and early next week, leading into the big Power 5 ones later in the week. But uh, I'll have the pleasure of, with TJ Reeves on the Tune In, which is an uh, online radio platform you can listen to. It's called Tune In. You can listen to TJ Reeves and I. We're going to be doing the Big South Conference Tournament Final in Charlotte on Sunday afternoon. Uh, for those of you that don't know what the Big South Conference is, uh, very respectable conference over the years. Teams like Winthrop, Campbell, North Carolina, Asheville, Radford, some of those kind of teams that are kind of in the mid-Atlantic area, Virginia area. They're all playing in Charlotte at their at their tournament. And TJ Reeves and I will be on the call on Sunday for the championship game. So looking forward to that. Again, you can check that out as well as many other events on TuneIn Radio. They can off, they offer a free uh, free trial. I think it's a week seven to ten day trial. So you can sign up for a free trial and listen to TJ and I on Sunday do the Big South as well as many other sporting events and TV and podcasts and all that kind of good stuff that's part of the TuneIn uh, online platform. So definitely check out TuneIn and get that free subscription if you want to listen to some great college hoops and sports action for a week or so and see if you like it. And they also do, they have obviously they have subscriptions that you can uh, uh, pay, uh, being a paying member, you get a lot more access to stuff uh, as well. So TuneIn is the place to be this weekend. Big South Tournament. Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll be there at the Bojangles Coliseum. Pretty cool name for a Coliseum. Bojangles Chicken Place uh, is the sponsor. So we'll be there calling some Big South action. All right, let's head to spring training. The new rules, new pitch pitch clock, hitter's clock, uh, bigger bases, no shifting or minimal shifting as far as what you can and can't do. So I really, I, I like what they're doing. If you saw like the first or second day of spring training, the umpire in a game involving, uh, I don't even remember who's playing, I think the Braves and somebody, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, tie game, called the batter out for not getting in the box in time. I love it. Get these guys in the box and let's go. Let's get these games moving. I don't care if it's the first inning, the fourth inning, or the ninth inning. Keep the game moving. The fans want to see action. They want to see continuous action. They don't want to see 30, 40 seconds in between pitches. So I love the new rule for the pitch clock and good for the umpires for ringing people up. Hopefully that will continue. I'm pretty sure it will. Um, and again, I think you're going to see quicker games. I think uh, I think the average game in the first week or so of tr spring training was about 235 to 240 which is down about 20 to 25 minutes from last year. So we all like that. Nobody wants to be out there watching so-and-so adjust their gloves or a guy on the mound step off 10 times. You know, the pitcher, the pitching coach comes out, the catcher comes out to give signals and all that stuff. Let's go. Here's what I would say to the batters that get all huffy and puffy about the, the time clock. When you're at your baseball field at your high school and when you're at the in the in the training cage in the offseason, you're not taking 30 and 40 seconds between swings. You're getting in there and you're taking cuts. Get in there, let's take a swing. Nobody says you have to swing at every pitch. Be ready to hit. 
You've been you, you get to hit four times a game for about a minute and a half per at bat. Be ready to go hit. You should be anxious and want to go hit. Let's go. So good for baseball and enforcing this rule. Keep it up. Keep enforcing it. I love it. Hopefully, I'm going to try to go catch a spring training game here in the next couple of weeks here in Tampa, home of the Yankees. we got a lot of spring training right around here. The Phillies are over in Clearwater. you got Dunedin with the Blue Jays. So you got a lot of, a lot of options here in the Tampa Bay area if you're there. And obviously, all over the state of Florida and Arizona. So check out a spring training game if you can. So there's your baseball nuggets. Uh, we're gonna we'll have we'll have a baseball uh, pitcher coming on here as we get closer to the regular season. Give you a little baseball preview, what, who he likes, who he doesn't like. My buddy Chris Perez, who's the former major league closer, all star, two time all star. We'll have him on here as we get towards the the, the start of the season, and he will preview uh, what he what he likes. Big injury for the Dodgers. Gavin Lux, their starting shortstop, out for the year, torn ACL. Non-contact injury, kind of run, I don't know if he's running bases or doing something. So a bad break for Gavin Lux and the Dodgers. But again, they're made of money, so they'll have somebody playing shortstop that's pretty good. So, uh, All right, on to the NBA. Kevin Durant finally playing for the Phoenix Suns. He debuted on Wednesday night in their win. Be interesting to see how the Suns can gel in the last 20 games or so. Chris Paul, Booker, uh, Ayton, and now Kevin Durant in Phoenix. If they can... Gel, I think they'll be a major threat in the West. The one thing you worry about with those guys is the is the injury factor, especially with KD and Chris Paul. Uh, they will need, you know, and their depth will be a little bit of an issue with the trading away of, of guys that they had to trade away to get Kevin Durant. But the West is going to be a wild, wild scene come playoff time. LeBron James hurt his foot on Sunday, if you saw that, in their big, huge comeback against the Mavericks. He's going to be out at least a couple of weeks, probably. I would say probably three to four weeks at the, at, at a minimum with a foot injury. Be very interesting to see if the Lakers can figure out a way to get in the, in, at least into the play-in tournament scenario with no LeBron James for the next probably three to four weeks. Remember, folks, there's only about five weeks left in the regular season. So the regular season ends, I think it's April 9th or 10th, something like that. So there's only about five weeks left, and most teams have about 20 games to go. So... LeBron will miss majority of the of the rest of the regular season, I believe, if not all of it. We'll see what the severity of the injury is. Lakers could be in some trouble. They were just starting to play pretty well with the new additions they made at the trade deadline. But again, no LeBron James. And in the in the uh, East, you got uh, Giannis, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston seem to be the three three big uh, teams to beat in the in the in the East. And the West is wide open. You could have any one of you could make an argument for probably any one of probably six or seven teams that could make an argument to win the West. Denver, Memphis, you got Golden State, you got Phoenix, you got, I mean, just depth galore. The first round, the Clippers, the matchups in the first round are going to be tremendous. You got the upstart Sacramento Kings. Good for them that they're back in the mix. They're going to make the playoffs, potentially be a three or four seed in the West. So good for the the Kings uh, for doing what they're doing and finally becoming a uh, viable franchise out there. Obviously, we all remember, if you remember back in the early 2000s with Weber and Vladi and Peja and all those guys, it was a very exciting team to watch uh, in the uh, NBA. But good for the Kings. De'Aaron Fox and company, Sabonis out there getting it done for the Kings. So good for them. <clears throat> all right, let's go to the NFL. And our guest, by the way, I didn't tell you who our guest is. Our guest is going to be Ian Hest. Ian covers sports in South Florida, 
Ian's going to come on. We're going to talk a little Dolphins, the state of Tua, what's Tua's deal. We're going to talk a little Miami Heat. And we're also going to talk the MLS. MLS kicked off last weekend. A lot of new uh, stuff going on with the MLS. And I think year 27 of the of the league. New franchise is a very unique, uh, inspiring TV deal they made with Apple TV. What's the they got a new playoff format? We're going to talk about some expansion teams, and then we're going to talk a little Messi and state of the U.S. national men's national team as well. With Ian, Ian's well versed in the soccer world, covers MLS, and again all things South Florida sports. So you're going to hear from Ian Hest here in just a few more minutes uh, on the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at JPO Sports. I'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas, show ideas. Uh, it got people to interview, you know, topics you want to see us cover. As we get into March Madness, we'll try to have some basketball-related insiders and guests, maybe even a couple coaches that maybe are not in the tournament. We're going to try, going to try to get a couple, try to get a couple of contact, reach out and make have a couple of contacts to see if we can get a couple of uh, named people that you guys will know that are not maybe not in the tournament that can give us some analysis. But again, March Madness that Thursday, Friday is the two of the best days of the year if you're a sports fan. Obviously, for me, I love Selection Sunday as well. The the selection show, the, the the bracket breakdown, whether it's CBS or ESPN, they all do a pretty good job breaking down the brackets. And then you can have the three or four-day build-up until Thursday's opening round. And then obviously, you have the play-in games on Tuesday and Wednesday night up in Dayton. And those, those could potentially have some big heavyweight names. A team like North Carolina could be there. You could see a team like Auburn potentially be there. So I think you'll have a couple of big-name uh, matchups there as well with the kind of the first four games. So NFL Combine, Indianapolis, you know, it's the, to me, it's it's the tamperer's paradise, I call it. All the tampering in the world that can happen is happening in, in Indianapolis. Agents, GMs, talking trades, free agents, roster moves, things like that. It's, it's the biggest convention for, for GMs and coaches, not even coach, more GMs and agents than anything else. You got more deals that are these free agent deals that are going to get announced in a couple of weeks. Trades that'll get announced in a couple of weeks are all getting uh, hatched out here, hammered out, thought out here in Indianapolis at the restaurants, at the convention halls. And oh, by the way, you're going to be doing some uh, talent evaluation and measurements of all these uh, prospects coming in for the draft. A uh, couple big things, big news and notes. Again, uh, of this week, you saw the news of Jalen Carter. The potential number one defensive player on the board, probably be a top five pick, was implicated in the uh, Georgia accident from a few weeks back from when they won the national title, when one of the, uh, a player and a staff member were both were killed in a uh, accident late late in the evening. Sounds like the Georgia player and the and the young lady, the staffer, were, were one of them. The driver of the car was legally drunk. Sounds like Jalen Carter was is being implicated as potentially involved in speed rate in racing the car, racing the other car, the other vehicle, uh, which obviously led to potentially the accident happening. So Jalen Carter has been uh, summoned to be turn himself in to, to Athens, Georgia police. So that's not going to be good for him. Uh, misdemeanor. Not sure if it's going to be a misdemeanor or a felony. From indication, sounds like it's misdemeanor now, but still that's going to have a major impact. Potential on his draft status. Uh, the, the, the story broke to, on Wednesday of the combine, so he—I don't know even know if he's still there or not. But it'll be interesting to see if he, how he handles uh, that PR disaster that's going to be. 
Um, again, the, the NFL league year starts on the 15th. The franchise tag deadline is, I believe, March 7th. So you got some decisions to be made. Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. What do teams do potentially? Geno Smith for the Seahawks. What do teams do? Do they franchise tag these guys? Do they let them free? You're going to see lots of guys getting released down here in Tampa. You're already seeing a little bit of that reports are Leonard Fournette and Donovan Smith are going to be released. You're going to see many more guys that get cut here in the next several days. And then obviously you have the uh, the Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers uh, saga. I think you're going to see Derek Carr wait till Aaron Rodgers decides kind of what his deal is. If you heard the GM for the Packers in his press conference at the Combine, he seemed he pretty much, the way I heard it, he pretty much has shut the door on Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay. He made it very clear that he th- they think Jordan Love is ready to play, needs to play, because remember, he's going into year four, and they've got to make a decision contractually on Jordan Love for the fifth-year option for Love, because remember, he was a first-round draft pick. So I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers be traded here with by the, by the 15th. I think that's going to happen. Again, the Jets, Vegas, Miami's potentially an opportunity there. Um, would San Francisco be an option potentially? Would Green Bay even consider trading him in the NFC? I doubt it. Most likely the AFC that they're going to trade for him. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of compensation they get for Rodgers. They'll get at least one number one. Uh, I don't think they'll get two number ones unless the Jets potentially are that desperate and they have insurances that Rodgers will play more than one year. Then you could potentially see more than one number one uh, selection sent to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. But I do think Rodgers' days in Green Bay are over. I don't think he's coming back. I don't necessarily think they want him back. And again, they have to make some decisions on Jordan Love. And if Rodgers is on the roster, he's going to play. And you're going to have another year of not knowing about Jordan Love in game situations. So, um, so again, I think you'll you'll you will see a remedy to that that issue come by March 15th, by the start of the league year, and then that'll leave Derek Carr to to make his decision of where to go. Again, if he does, if the Jets don't get Rodgers, I think they'll get Derek Carr. Um, I would not give Derek Carr the, the the farm. I would probably sign him to a three-year deal, probably 35 million bucks. And uh, that'd be about as much as I would go with him. Uh, not a proven championship quarterback yet. Good player. Uh, and again, the Jets only need to have a good veteran quarterback. They don't need a they don't need a Hall of Famer. And by the way, please, Jets, are you really? Please don't tell sell people that you think Derek Carr is going to be a Hall of Famer if he were to win a Super Bowl. Please, okay? Please, please, please stop. But again, Charlotte's in the market for a quarterback. New Orleans, uh, the Jets. Uh, we don't know what Vegas is going to do. Uh, potentially, you know, who knows what, you know, a team like Chicago would do. Would they potentially entertain the idea of trading Justin Fields relative to the number one overall pick if they really fall in love with a guy like Bryce Young? What will the Ravens do? Will the Ravens put the exclusive franchise tag or the non-exclusive tag on Lamar? Atlanta's in the market for a quarterback. Tampa's in the market for some version of a quarterback. We don't know if they're going to be big game hunting in Tampa, but they're going to bring in at least a veteran to compete with uh, Kyle Trask. Again, you can have Jimmy Garoppolo out there, Derek Carr. You can have Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Mike White. So there's going to be some options out there for guy, for teams, depending on which way they want to go um, as far as in the quarterback market. But again, I think Derek, Derek Carr will wait till Aaron Rodgers' situation gets resolved, and then he'll make his move. 
and we'll see what happens. But there'll be there'll be a surprise that comes out of left field here, whether it's a trade or a free agent signing that's probably being hatched right as of we speak at the NFL Combine. So uh, you can watch the Combine, I believe, on NFL Network. They'll have the guys running, pass routes, quarterbacks to keep an eye on. Anthony Richardson will get a lot of attention because of his physical attributes. Want to see what Bryce Young looks like, C.J. Stroud. Again, you'll see a couple of uh, elite defensive players. Will Anderson. Be interesting to see how uh, guys like B. John Robinson test. A lot of hype about B. John Robinson, the running back out of Texas. And there'll be a handful of guys that come out of nowhere that put up some great times or lift the weights or just do a great job in the physical testing that they do. That'll be uh, that'll be high risers on draft boards moving forward. So, But again, the big story is Jalen Carter uh, and his situation. The arrest warrant issued for him. Uh, relative to the situation in Georgia. So um, we'll see what happens. And, and again, uh, March Madness coming up here in just a little bit. Number one seeds are probably going to be UCLA, Alabama. I would say potentially Texas, maybe Kansas, one of those two, depending on who wins the Big 12 tournament. Uh, but uh, there'll be some interesting uh, decisions to be made seeding-wise. Can North Carolina get in the tournament? They're still on the bubble. They've got they beat Virginia last weekend. They've got Duke this week. If they beat Duke, I think they're in the tournament. If they lose to Duke, how many games will they need to win the ACC tournament to get in? That will be very interesting to, to debate. And again, you'll have you'll have some uh, interesting uh, issues with brackets and and seating and all that kind of great stuff. So appreciate you finding us. Powers on Sports Podcast. Again, Ian Hest will be coming up here in just a couple of minutes talking about all things South Florida sports as well as MLS as they kick off their regular season over the weekend. Thanks for finding us, and stay tuned. We'll be right back with Ian Hest in just a couple of minutes. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs. Corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813 498 2887. Now a word from Jaleel Vacation Rentals as we enter the 2023 vacation season. If you are heading to the Caribbean down to St. Martin's this vacation season, reach out to Verbo.com, listing number 650201 to rent your perfect penthouse condo that overlooks St. Martin's and the ocean. This two-bedroom, two-bath condo, use the promo code JASON23 when reserving it with Jeffrey Shaner, 941-830-0056. And again, Verbo.com, V-R-B-O.com, listing number 650201. 
you can reserve this condo anytime throughout 2023. The condo and St. Martin's is half Dutch and half French. It's a beautiful vacation spot for both your family and or that special loved one in your life. So reach out to Jeffrey Shaner, 941-830-0056, and tell him the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. All right, welcome back. We are now going to get into a little Major League Soccer and a little World Soccer as the MLS season kicked off this past weekend, a new year in the world of MLS. And boy, what a change. A lot of changes going on in MLS for the good, uh, from the media rights perspective, from the uh, expansion perspective, and potentially a uh, world superhero might be coming to town at some point down the road. So no better person to talk some MLS and some Miami and some inter Miami uh, soccer that Ian Hest, he's a broadcaster down in South Florida. He's the founder of the Heron outlet, which covers all things inter Miami. And he covers all things South Florida sports for us here on the powers on sports podcast. Appreciate you joining us again, Ian. Always good to see you, man. All right, before we get to some soccer, I got a couple non-soccer questions for you related to South. I knew you would. <laughs> give me a little. Give give us a little Tua update. What's kind of the what's kind of the uh, the sense of Tua's future in Miami? Obviously, we all know that he had the concussion issues to end the year there. Talk to us about uh, what's the uh, any any thoughts from the organization? Is Tua the guy moving forward, or are they going to keep their eyes open in the quarterback market? Yeah, I still think that that he's the guy moving forward. I I think that in the NFL, you're never uh, you know, you're never sure with what you've got. Even, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with this right now. So if someone like him is is never too safe or, or dealing with his situation, I think that you're always as an organization wanting to look and, and see what you got uh, out there. But Tua is the guy moving forward. I think that with a prolonged offseason, it's it's going to allow his body to heal. Obviously, we're, we're still learning more about how, what that entails. And, and the science on this has grown tremendously, still has much more to go on it and and hopefully uh you know for every player's safety that 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 they're knowing what what the 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 ramifications of of playing football is i think when it comes to tua he's done a lot of things right in in his own uh maturation you've probably heard about him you know learning judo and and taking better care of how he falls down these little things that we maybe not have heard in the past that quarterbacks probably should have been aware of it. It almost makes like duh common sense after you hear it, but maybe we were just overlooking something like that. So I think, you know, he he's a new father as well. He has talked about that. Uh, I think on Super Bowl weekend, he was talking about that when he was out there. So uh, there are important things in his life that, that I think he uh, knows what's best for him. And I'm sure he's in, you know, constant contact with the organization. They're, they're working to make sure that he has a, a long and healthy future in the NFL. All right, let's go to the uh, the hoops circuit down there in Miami. But you know the Heat have kind of been meddling middle of the Eastern Conference most of the year. About twenty games left of the regular season. They did go out and sign Kevin Love about a week ago, so maybe that a little help for the uh, uh, playoff run. What is the sense of the Heat down there? Do they think that the Heat can be a contender, or are they just kind of a maybe win a series and get knocked out in the second round kind of scenario down in Miami? Yeah, you get that sense amongst the fans, unfortunately, because the Heat always pride themselves on being one of these premier organizations in the NBA that they're always a contender. They don't do rebuilding years. Rebuilding years are ones that almost normally should look like what it is right now, where you're in the sixth or the seventh seed in the East. This team is good. Uh, it struggles to 
stay healthy, though, and they can go very long periods without scoring. Bam, Adebayo is still blossoming into the superstar that he is expected to be, who a lot of fans believe he is. But, you know, that that does come with, you know, needing to get to that upper echelon. He's right, right there on the precipice. Probably should be defensive player of the year, if not in large contention for it. Um, one of the best, if not the best defender in the NBA. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you love what Jimmy Butler has been able to provide for you. Tyler Hero now signing that huge deal needs to to be that constant, consistent scorer for them that at times, you know, he shows flashes of, but it isn't night in and night out right now. This team maybe has a ceiling as the fifth seed at this point with only about 20 games left in the regular season. They probably could catch the Nets and the Knicks, seeing as they've got so many games against them in hand right now uh, and, and playing them head to head. But past that, you got a first round series against the Cavs, probably if that's the case yeah you could win that but i don't think this team is going to challenge the celtics or the bucks for the top team uh heading out of the east is the pat riley eric spolstra era getting stale at all down there it seems like you know spolstra's been down there forever riley's been down there forever does it ever seem like that that's kind of getting stale and maybe the, the ownership would look just to shake things up a little bit from a from yeah. a voice perspective Spolstra, no. Riley, I, I mean, it, it's it's tough to to say because you know he sort of is this figure that has done so much for basketball in in South Florida, right? And and not only being the head coach that led them to all those playoff runs in the '90s, not only being in charge of this whole run with with the three championships as well, um, but but he is just such a a, a, a godfather as as everybody calls him, right? right. And so. It's difficult now that, that I think the frustration has come if you if you want to say stale with the lack of of movement with the lack of ambition to go out and get guys you could maybe say that that's because they don't have necessarily the assets to acquire someone uh, that would be up there like the Donovan Mitchells that we saw move right in the off season that was a name that they were linked to for a long time uh, you know they they have have sort of been stuck in this non-moving to get better. It's why the Kevin Love move. That's why Cody Zeller as well, who's performed very well in spot minutes in his short time with the team. Um, that's why people got sort of excited about that because you look at it, the Miami Heat were one of only three teams, I believe, the Bulls, and I'm forgetting the last one off the top of my head right now, that did not acquire a single player in a trade at the deadline this year. <laughs> So like you, you you don't think of the Miami Heat standing pat like that, right, you know, right. pun intended. Uh, but with Pat Riley, they have in the past couple of years. And and so that's sort of, I guess, where the frustration is to, hey, let's get this moving. Let's get back to being the top team. Okay, let's go from one non-stale organization to another league that's clearly not stale and doing a lot of new things as we as we enter, what is this, year 26 of MLS or 27? 20, 20 yeah 26 i think i think you're 26 of mls the uh the league has had a lot of changes in the last six six months to a year as far as from again tv rights and playoff formats expansion team let's start with the tv rights deal obviously if, you, if folks if you haven't seen uh espn is no longer in the mix in the in mls they have uh, mls signed an exclusive uh stra- deal with apple tv which was kind of revolutionary where all their all their act content and activity will be on apple tv i did see there's there's a little bit of linear stuff on fox still on broadcast tv but all anybody stream any any streaming content anything is going to be on apple tv give the fans a little summary of the agreement they have with apple and what what that means for the for the average fan that wants to watch their favorite mls team 
Yeah, revolutionary is is a great way to put it. Ten years, two point five billion dollars. That's with a B. So uh, definitely Apple getting their foot into the streaming game and the sports streaming game. You saw what they did with MLB last year, and and that was a little bit interesting. This is different. This is more of like an NFL Sunday ticket package that you have uh, for the MLS. So it's a separate purchase that you make on top of your Apple TV for about $140 for the entire season. Now, what do you get with that? You get absolutely no blackout. So let's say you're, you know, living in in Tampa and you don't necessarily have a team within an hour of you, or you're in Phoenix, or you're in, you know, uh, outside of uh, Detroit or Ohio, right, or somewhere like that. You don't necessarily have a team close to you. No blackouts. So you can pick any team just like you can in the English Premier League. I follow Tottenham without ever going to London. I've never been there before, yet I still have that connection. So I think that that'll provide that for for fans league-wide and nationwide to really get involved in it. They, they have this really cool new show called MLS 360 that is, is a little bit like the Red Zone channel, which you'd think for soccer is a little difficult. It wound up being really, really entertaining uh, last weekend. And the team believe, or the league believes that this is where all leagues are going to be heading. And so you've seen it with the EPL and Peacock as well. You've seen it with Champions League and Paramount+. Plus. So soccer has sort of been at the forefront of this in the United States. And from an MLS side, they want to be ahead of the NBA and the NHL and MLB, especially those three. And that's where they're trying to go with this deal. And I, I, it's off to a pretty good start. And 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 there is some if you, if you are a subscriber to Apple, I think there is some content and a few games that are going to be part of the Apple package that you don't have to pay the additional if you wanted to try it out for a couple of weeks and get a preview of, of you know what what you think of it. Um, there, yeah, there, you also if you're I mean there's other ways if you're a season ticket holder you get it for free if you're a T-Mobile subscriber I think you get it for free so there's a lot of like workarounds too. Yeah, so and a couple other things that I thought were pretty neat I think they standardized the start times I know there had been a lot of talk about. So many teams started games at different times. I think they've got a two or three start times that they've standardized for all the games in the league. So kind of like the NFL, one, four, 425, and then 830 at night. What are the what are the start times in MLS? Yeah, so basically everything is Saturday evenings now. You'll get a Saturday early game at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and then pretty much the entire league will play between that 7.30 and 10 p.m. window. You know, the West Coast teams will start obviously later. Then they'll have a Sunday game or two highlighting a game of the week, and they've limited the number of midweek games. That was something that with MLS is, is a lot different than other soccer leagues around the world in that it's a lot easier in a country like England to have a midweek game simply because the travel isn't that far. In Major League Soccer, the travel compared to other soccer leagues around the world right. is enormous. So that And to be doing it over the length of time, think about it, it's, it's twice the length of an NFL season. You know, an NBA season is is not as like long in terms of duration of what you're putting your body through. Thinking about running 90 minutes without stoppages. Um, so, so to think of you know you can't sub like you can in in hockey, right? So there are all these things that it was wearing on people's body. The travel was difficult. Now having a standardized time, you, what you've seen a lot introduced into the years: sports nutrition, sports fitness, and being able to make sure that the performance is up to being able to handle the rigors of that long schedule. Uh, let's talk about the new playoff format. Go, give give us a little uh, insight of what the new they've changed their playoff format a little bit. I think that first round they went to two out of three. You know, home and uh, give give the audience a little update on the on the new playoff format. 
Yeah, it's a hybrid model. It's a little bit like the NBA now with the 7-10 playing game and the 8-9 playing game. So there will be nine teams that make the playoffs. That 8-9 and nine matchup will be just a one-off you know, play-in wildcard game. It'll be played at the home of the eighth seed. And then from there, it's just your standard 1-8, 2-7, 3-6, 4-5. It'll play a best of three with the higher seed having two of those home games. Absolutely no ties. So each game will have to have a winner, which I think is nice because yeah. it'll force you know teams to, to have to go out and score goals and win games. But after that opening round, it's back to just a one-off game at the higher seed to, to go the rest of the way, sort of like a, a sprint to the finish, if you will. Um, and and it's, a, it's an exciting change. It comes with its pros, its cons. Uh, I, I personally would be a fan of continue. If you're going to do the best of three, do the best of three for more than just one round. Keep it going at least through the conference finals. Uh, that's just my opinion on it. Uh, but I do like the idea of of doing that instead of a two-legged race like they do in, in Europe because you it sort of disincentivizes the lower-seeded team to just play defense and hope for a tie. That's really out the door with this new format. I like it too. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I want a winner. You I mean these playoff games? You don't want to see these games end in a draw and then it, you advance on away goals and all that stuff. I think the the American sports fan wants to see winners and wants to see a finality. All right, talk about a couple of expansion teams. I've heard rave reviews about the 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 the, uh, the St. Louis franchise with the beautiful stadium. Give us a. I know is it St. Louis and, and San Diego? No, Charlotte. St. Louis and Charlotte are the new expansion teams. Yeah, so Charlotte joined last year. They're in their second year, and St. Louis City joins this year and actually won their first ever game at Austin, who was number two in the Western Conference last year in in a very exciting game. Because uh, they're they're not, you know, as with all expansion teams, they're not expected to be very good this year. Uh, but there is a lot of hype. Obviously, the Midwest is is somewhere that MLS would like to expand and also into the Southwest. You mentioned San Diego. They are, along with uh, Las Vegas, considered yes. the two front runners for the 30th franchise that uh, Commissioner Dom Garber said they expect to announce at some point this season. Uh, Vegas, so, it's going yeah, to Vegas. Vegas most likely, but San Diego has <laughs> uh, a minor league team uh, yes, that, yes. that does very well, and and their their women's team has set all sorts of records for attendance in the NWSL. So San Diego seen as this next sort of soccer hotbed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think of these expansion fees, though, right? I mean, St. Louis is buying in for, for half a billion dollars when when eight years ago Toronto was buying in for 14 million dollars it just goes to show how much the 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 league has just really grown to have uh, right from day one I mean let's remember the days where almost every MLS team was playing in a football stadium with all the football grid lines on it now you've got St. Louis as this expansion team coming into this brand new hundred hundreds of millions dollars you know, 30,000 beautiful seat stadium that they have right in the heart of St. Louis. It really just goes to show how we've always talked about soccer being up and coming up and coming the next sport. Well, now it's really here because these buildings are tangible. These things are existing. And it's up to honestly, the fans at this point to to say, okay, I've said that if you bring it, I will come. Well, it's here now. And and, and that's really, I think, a, a, a testament to what Major League Soccer has done to build the sport here in the States. And people don't realize St. Louis is a hotbed for soccer. It is a huge soccer market, collegiately, high school, 
Uh, I know growing up, you know, they, they, you know, they, the, in the, when the, in the old MISL St. Louis steamers, they've had, they've had a lot of history in soccer and they've produced a lot of great soccer players over the years that have gone on to play big time college soccer, MLS soccer, things like that. So St. Louis, you think St. Louis and soccer, but it really is a hotbed for soccer uh, in North America here. All right. Um, what do you think? I mean, uh, do you think that, Does the league do a pretty good job to give these expansion teams an opportunity to compete early on, or is it more, how how do you, how do you think they do as far as the expansion process to give, give these access to players? Yeah, I think that, that especially in a, in a sport like soccer that has a global market, it's very difficult for a team to compete right off the bat. I I think in, in any sport, any expansion team, you saw it with Charlotte last year who missed out on the playoffs. You saw it with Inter Miami as it took them a couple of years. Nashville is really starting to get going now too uh, yeah. as a better team. Austin was really the the exception a couple of years ago that just came out steamrolling right off the bat. Uh, but I do think in terms of parity, there is no league in the world, especially when it comes to soccer, that has as much parity as as MLS does. So often you see uh, a team that was at the very top one year come all the way back down to earth the next. The rules are very designed to to have any given weekend, any team can compete. You do have your sort of blue bloods in LAFC. Uh, Philadelphia Union have been right. very good in the recent years. Seattle Sounders, I think everybody kind of knows that name. Um, Atlanta as well. Miami wants to be that, uh, probably still a little bit ways away. But there, there, there is so much parity and so much fun to, to think that, you know, last weekend, for example, a team like Miami that finished, uh, that, that was struggling to make the playoffs for most of the year, just beat Montreal, who finished easily second in the East last year, and they beat them pretty handily 2-0 to start the year. So just goes to show from year to year, the constant contenders are changing. All right, one more one more league question, then we'll get to we'll get to enter Miami. Talk about um the transfer, the transfer window. Obviously, if you if you don't follow soccer a lot, the way these teams can acquire players, there's different periods of time through the year that they can make moves for players. And the good thing is they don't have to just make moves within MLS. They can go buy a player from Mexico. They can go get a player from from the Premier League theory. You can go. They can go to Italy. They can go to Germany in theory, and and vice versa. Those other uh, leagues will get players from MLS occasionally. Talk about that window and how that works. Yeah. So there's two, and it, it works differently depending on what league you're in or what country you're in. There's the winter one, which is in January, and the summer one, which goes usually around July through August part heading into uh, where most of the world goes, which is on an August to May calendar here in the United States because of winter and, and the challenges that we have to deal with, with professional football as well, taking up a lot of that calendar. MLS goes more of a March to October calendar. So the winter one is a little bit bigger that just finished for MLS teams to come in or come out. MLS is unique in that it has a salary cap. Most soccer leagues, around the world do not have it they let owners just free spend and it's actually a huge problem in global football global soccer you probably heard about a lot of the corruption FIFA and UEFA have had to deal with in recent years MLS is very structured to be financially uh stable throughout for years to come they saw what happened with the NASL you know decades ago they don't want to end up as that 2.0 so with that there are a lot of restrictions and a lot of rules teams have up to three what they're called designated players these are your star players that they'll make the maximum salary that goes against the salary cap. But above that, you can pay them whatever you want. So let's say that number is at $600,000. I could pay a Messi a hundred million dollars and he only counts $600,000 against the cap. So gotcha. that's sort of a way that they've allowed for these 
two or three superstar players to come into each team and really grow the sport and have the talent without breaking the bank unless an owner wants to. All right, let's get to my let's get to the team you cover on a daily basis. Inter Miami. Was this year three for Inter Miami? Four. 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 Okay. So give it obviously people if you don't know, David Beckham is part of the ownership group down there, down in Miami. Obviously, the location's beautiful, you know, with with South Florida and everything. Give us a little history lesson of Inter Miami and kind of where they're at now. I know they've made incremental improvements and you guys are expecting uh, uh, big things this year. Yeah, it's been a rocky one. Inter Miami <laughs> has had uh, one of those interesting starts to a franchise in, in any sport. Um, they, obviously, David Beckham is a part of his deal when he was a player in signing his MLS contract, got to purchase a, a, a discounted rate and expansion team that wound up being Miami. So he is a part owner along with Jorge and Jose Moss, um, who are the primary owners of the club. So it took a while for that process to happen. Then the league required that they had a stadium in place before they were uh, allowed to proceed, something that a lot of other teams, you think of New York City FC that plays at Yankee Stadium or Charlotte that plays at Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play, um, they, they didn't have to deal with. So it took even a little bit longer. They now play currently play at Lockhart or the new Lockhart. They, they knocked Lockhart down, build a brand new, beautiful stadium on the same location yeah. um, that, that holds uh, one of the smaller stadiums, but it's only meant to be temporary uh, while they, they are planning on building a, a uh, stadium closer to Miami, right by the Miami International Airport. So in year one, that was obviously difficult because it was the COVID year. That was when the whole world stopped and yeah. you had, you know, a, a lot of confusion. There, there was only two games into that season before they wound up stopping. They wound up getting about 23 games, so two thirds of the season into that. And they expanded the playoffs because of that. So Inter-Miami just snuck in as a playoff team that year because of an expanded playoff lost right away. And that was that year two, they had a new coach in Phil Neville fans will maybe remember him from uh, Manchester United. He's now still the head coach. They had a rough year that year, but uh, really made it a lot better improved last year with a huge run of Gonzalo Higuain and his swan song of his career retiring in the off season. They actually went all the way uh, to being in uh, the sixth seed in the Eastern conference last year yeah. uh, before getting knocked out by New York city, uh, eventual Eastern conference finalists. Um, so, so a good season, they're expected to be a lot better this year. They want to challenge for home field advantage in the playoffs uh, it'll be a little bit of a task. They're not great outside of South Florida. They're very good in the heat and humidity of South Florida simply because they can outrun teams. Um, so that's really their big advantage in, in how they come to play and what they hope for this season. What has been the, uh, the, the fan, the fan perspective down there? Are they, are they support, are they full, sold out, sold out an arena and when they're during the home matches, how, how's the support been? Obviously, it's a fickle crowd down in South Florida sometimes. There's so many allegiances to different teams all around the world. And even within MLS, with so much of a population uh, melting pot down in South Florida, how how is Inter-Miami attached to the fan base? Yeah, La Familia, as they call themselves, is really amazing. <laughs> there's there's different little, little pockets of them, and, and all together they form what they call La Familia. Um, which is the, these crazy, crazy fans. They take up a whole quarter of the stadium yeah. with smoke, pink smoke bombs and and uh, banners and flags and and streamers they throw on on the field. They've got big drums and trumpets in the in the stands um, and these, these crazy chants that are that'll just that'll make you smile and laugh. They're a lot of fun. Um, they, they love this team and and there is a um, a unique culture 
especially in Miami with the South American, with the Cuban, with, yeah. with the, the Latin American uh, audience that we have and the population that we have down here that, that is unique to other places around the country. Um, that, that they do things a little bit differently and, and they like it that way. Um, it, it's a little bit more of a, of a, of a for the people type of atmosphere um, that they get. And, and it really has come um, with, with love from the club in return. You'll hear when you talk to players, we'll, we'll talk to a couple actually coming up here in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to head down to the stadium after I finish up with you and, in talking with them, that's the first thing that they always want to talk about. They love after every goal, they're right in the fans' faces. After every win, they're running up and cheering for the fans just as much. It's a really great relationship and and one that, you know, as a soccer lover myself, it's great to see. All right, so I'm going to save the last qu- I'm going to save the last Miami question for last. I got one more uh US question for you. What's 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 the uh, state of affairs with U.S. men's the U.S. men's national team and the head coach? I mean, Burr Halter, we know, kind of is under investigation. There's been no clarity about finally the finality of what that is. Where is the U.S. men's national team coaching selection at? Yeah, um, it, it's it's bad. It's not in a great spot. Um, they they don't have any real leadership right now. Ernie Stewart left also as as a part of the yep. Claudio Reyna situation. Claudio Reyna left as well. Um, it's very messy. I, I feel I feel bad for all parties because that is something that you would think as professional adults really would never come to something like that. Right. Unfortunately, it's where we are. Uh, Greg Borhalter does not have a contract, and honestly, I wouldn't expect him to to get one. Um, just completely irrespective of this whole situation, he was out of contract. Um, the team underperformed at the World Cup, uh, and and I don't I don't think that and it. You know, the U.S. was making the next step with Greg Berhalter in charge. Um, I think that they, you know, maybe some of this situation showed that they need someone that understands player dynamics a little bit better. Greg Berhalter is known for being very stringent um, in his system and in, in what he considers. And, you know, what one thing that this did expose was that there was a lot of uh, behind the scenes helping my friends out and and a little good old boys network revolving in in u.s soccer that maybe was holding the federation back a little bit in that you know it was it was that 1994 u.s team that sort of all stuck together and then all of a sudden 20 years 30 years later they're running the whole show um and maybe it's time to consider this as we're moving forward what do we want united states soccer to look like what is it respective to our fans our culture our community our melting pot of the united states that we are so you hope that that's what you get out of this but Right now, it's not in a good shape, and they'll need to clean house as quickly as possible, as responsibly as possible. And, and be, again, remember, folks, we host the next World Cup in three and right. a half years. So you and and you have the generation of of players that you really think can make do some damage. So this is a critical, critical hire for U.S. soccer. Again, you've heard some names from the international world, potentially. A you know, I've heard Pep Guardiola's a couple of these bigger names. Will U.S. soccer pay that kind of money for that kind of coach? Who knows? Will that kind of coach be interested? Who knows? But again, a critical, critical hire in the next couple of months uh, to get somebody. Because again, this is probably the most most attention U.S. soccer is going to probably get with all the, everything that's coming here in the next several years and the generation of players that you got coming up. And this will be the best chance in our lifetime for the United States to make a deep run into the World Cup, both because you're hosting it and and with the generational talent that they have 
you have to get this one right because the United States will be one of those teams that will be expected, maybe not as favorites to win the whole thing, but to make a run quarterfinals, let's see, like in the next World Cup, the U.S. is going to be one of those teams that are talked about. All right, last question, the $100 million question, if not more than that. I, I can't of- guess what this is going to be. <laughs> A lot of speculation in the in the in the uh, in the sports media world that one Mr. Lionel Messi might be uh, Miami bound at some point, potentially this summer. If not this summer, then next year for you know not say for sure, but a lot of speculation that he will maybe end his on field playing career in MLS and in Miami. What are you hearing about that, and kind of what do you think the probability of happening this year versus next year are? Yeah, so for it to happen this year, Miami themselves would need to make some moves underneath the salary cap in that summer window. Messi is out of contract come at the end of this season that he's at at PSG. Um, So he would be able to pick his team. It's also been talked about that maybe he goes back to Barcelona. Um, You know, he started from in Argentina, new old boys. They talked about possibly going there. Um, So he'll have, he's the greatest player of all time. He'll have his options of wherever he wants to go. From Miami's side of things, they, they've been in contact with his people. Um, I've heard that they've, they've discussed it. They, they've, you know, shown him uh, the, the different ways that they think that he could fit in very well here, obviously, from an on-the-field standpoint, but also in terms of Miami and continuing um, the, to his brand and his global uh, lifestyle that, that, that they think could facilitate this. And I think from there, it really, if Lionel Messi wants to be an Inter-Miami player, Lionel Messi will be an Inter-Miami player. Uh, I don't think that there's anything stopping him. It's just uh, whether or not he wants to do that or not. Yeah, no doubt. I think that, again, that everybody you know, remembers Pele coming to, to, to the NASL back in the day. This would be Pele times probably five when it comes to the media attention and all with social media and all that good stuff. So, all right, Ian, great stuff, man. I appreciate the time. Tell everybody where they can find all your great work online covering Inter-Miami and all the other things that you do. Yeah, we're at the Heron Outlet. You can find it at the Heron Outlet, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and follow our uh, Substack. You can subscribe now. Get our, our Substack, theheronoutlet.substack.com. And, and Ian also does some great work with my buddy Matt Zemek. He helps produce some of Matt Zemek's podcast stuff. Matt Zemek, obviously, we all know, uh, covers – college hoops, college football, all college sports. And and I know Ian is involved with Matt doing some of that stuff on, on that front. So appreciate the time, Ian. I appreciate it. We'll get you on board as we get through the MLS season a little bit and with some further updates and uh, keep up the great work, man. Always fun talking to you. Have a great day. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to be a first-time home buyer looking to upsize or even downsize your current property situation? Reach out to Jason Powers at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404, anywhere in the state of Florida. Let's get you pre-approved, figure out how much money, how much house you can afford, whether it's an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo loan, even bank statement loans if you're self-employed. We can help you. You need to buy, you want to build a home. We got a new construction loan available for you. Are you looking to renovate your home? There are renovation loans available and we are experts in the renovation loan it part of the uh, home financing business. Reach out to me, Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. From Miami to Orlando to Jacksonville in Pensacola and anywhere in between, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending where it, my loan gets you into your home. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. 
Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.